Hi, I'm Josh Cooperman, and this is Convo by Design. Today, you are going to hear from Angela Harris, principal and CEO of Trio. Angela and her Denver-based design company are doing some things, a lot of things, actually, from the multidisciplinary design work, the Bowdenwell products, a design media platform. It's a lot. Angela Harris has some very strong ideas from which she structures plans and executes. That's what we're talking about today, a fearlessness to scale and the ideas that turn into opportunities. Things are scary now. Times are hard. Um, and I don't mean times are hard like depression era times are hard. I mean, times are hard for a lot of different reasons, not the least of which that, you know, those of us in the design and architecture space are still dealing with a, a lot of supply chain issues and a lot of increased costs and a lot of, um, can we call it lack of support? You know what I mean? This is part of the wellness and design thought leadership series presented by Thermosol. By the end of this episode, you will have some actionable ideas to strengthen your own design brand. I'm excited to see what you do with it. We'll hear from Angela right after this. For well over a year now, you have been hearing incredible conversations, interviews, and panels with amazing creative talent as part of our Wellness and Design Thought Leadership series presented by Thermosol. It has been and continues to be an absolute joy working with the entire team at Thermosol from the top down. This multi-generational family business has been producing the gold standard in steam generators, saunas, steam showers, and steam shower accessories for decades. Thermosol is the original steam shower with technology that is state-of-the-art, made and manufactured in the United States. The company's history with steam showers started by David Altman in 1958. Murray Altman acquired Thermosol's steam bath division in 1989, and the company is now led by Mitch Altman from their world-class production facility in Round Rock, Texas. The most successful designers and architects are using steam showers to maximize wellness, relaxation, and enjoyment for their clients. Thermosol is a staunch advocate for the design trade, and I am so proud to have them as a presenting partner of Convo by Design and the Wellness and Design Thought Leadership Series. If not familiar with the entire range of Thermosol products, please check out thermosol.com. You know, I generally love to start with the origin story. I love a good origin story. I love to find out how creatives got into the business and, and sort of with a, with a spin to it, you know, in, in doing a little research on you and trio really interesting. I mean, you've got so much going on <laughs> and between the, the design work and the products and the, the doing good and doing well and the TV stuff you're doing, I mean, there's a, the media, there's a lot going on. Um, Tell me how you got started. <laughs> how I got started. <clears throat> okay. Uh, well, I got started through what I like to call divine intervention. <laughs> so really, I, um, you know, my background is uh, business, first and foremost. I went to school, undergrad for 
business in that process, you know, I learned a lot, but I felt this need that I was not servicing kind of the creative side of my brain. And so um, I quickly went to work for an engineering firm. I am the type of person that loves to learn. Um, And so I kind of absorbed all of that uh, information, but I knew that part of my soul wasn't being nurtured because I didn't have the creative outlet. So then I, as I was doing that, I went back to interior design. I have a two year in interior design and then eventually went on to get a master's degree in sustainable design. And once I was able to fuse the concepts of both uh, running a a well uh, or understanding business with the creativity that comes to building new communities, I knew that I was just in my wheelhouse. I knew that was the magic. And so it just blossomed from there. Tell me about all of the extensions. So you're based in Denver and you know, you've, you've got the, you've got the design work, you've got the philanthropy, you've got the media, you've got the products, you've got the collaborations. I ask about it because I'm genuinely curious. I see designers every day. I speak with designers every week who, you know, many kind of struggle with, especially now, because time is so important. And we're all in this time where like, how many people do you, do you speak with every month that still feel like it's 2020, you know, okay. and right. And yeah. we have, we're, we're being pulled in so many different directions that um, I was speaking with Courtney Novogratz recently of the Novogratz. And one of the things that I was really fascinated by their group, their family and their operation was just how many different brand extensions and collaborations they had going on at any given time. And I kind of see the same thing with you. How do you keep up with it? How do you choose the right partners with whom to collaborate? Yep. And how do you know which products and partnerships make the most sense for you? Yeah. Oh, I love this question because I get this question a lot. I, I think that the first thing that people say to me when they meet me is, oh my gosh, you guys have so much going on. It's just a common theme. And for, from the outside perspective, I think that uh, looking in, yes, it looks like we have a, a lot going on and we, and we certainly do. However, with that, I think the key to our success is that we always stay true to the vision and mission in which we have uh, adopted. And that really is leadership through service. I mean, we, we use our creativity and our design platforms to build new communities, to serve our communities. And we never we never move away from that vision or mission. So whether we're working on an interior design project with our builders and developers, whether we're working on product development, whether we're, you know, on a podcast or on a TV show, we're, uh, show it's, it's all with the intention of building better communities and serving our communities at some capacity. So drilling down a little bit, you know, when you, like, for example, with Bowdoin Well, Mm-hmm. Right. Yes. How how do you how do you differentiate and separate the design work from the product side? So we believe that everybody deserves great design. So Bowdoin Well was born out of this idea that we were having great success on the trio side with our interior design projects, working with our builders and developers to service our communities, but we felt like we didn't have every opportunity to look at the projects from a holistic perspective. In other words, we could design beautiful spaces, 
But then when it came down to sourcing and specifying product, we felt that, you know, there's a better way to uh, source that if we had more opportunity to look at product that had elevated design style that were attainable and that would probably more responsibly manufactured. And by doing that, we were able to integrate those into our own projects so that we really could look at it from a holistic perspective and bring something to the market to service our communities that were better today than we did yesterday. And so we try to find partners that believe in that same vision of everybody deserves great design. It is, it is about elevated style. It's about attainability and it's about coming together uh, kind of stronger together to, to service the design and communities in which we work. How did the product side change for you with the supply chain issues and, and where we are today? Has that cleared? No, I mean, we're still challenged with a, a whole bunch. I mean, ever since COVID, we're challenged, we were challenged with a pandemic. Then we moved into, you know, inflation that we, it's, you know, we haven't seen in 20 years, supply chain issues, uh, labor shortages. Um, but you know what? It just makes us stronger and more resilient. We come to the table and we are still committed to great design and our clients are committed to servicing our communities through great design. And so we all work together to work around those challenges and still deliver something to the market that is exceptional. You are listening to my conversation with Trio Designs, Angela Harris. We'll be right back. We are living at a time of incredible growth, both technologically and creatively with respect to interior design, exterior design, and architecture. There is no question. There are companies thinking differently about the business of design and how to make products super serve those for whom they're being made. One of those companies, and one of my favorites, is Moya Living, designer and fabricators of some of the most stunningly beautiful, incredibly durable, and highly functional kitchen, bath, and outdoor kitchen cabinetry on the market today. Powder-coated steel with stunning lines, vibrant colors to fit any design style or aesthetic. A history of designing cabinetry for the scientific community. So you know it's been tested in some of the truly the most harsh conditions available. Moya O'Neill is the CEO and founder of Moya Living. She's the inspiration behind the design. Designers, their specification process is so simple. It will make your job so much easier. Check them out online through the socials at Moya Living, their website, moyaliving.com, and in the real world, their live kitchen showroom in Fountain Valley, California. So what is your supply chain like these days as far as product goes? You know, talk to me about from raw material to point of sale. Mm -hmm. Um, just in terms of the challenges that we're having? In terms of where you stand now, uh, you know, here's a, here's the thing. So when it comes to product development right now, you know, there are so many things to take into account. First and foremost, I would imagine for you, it's a challenge because there have been no design shows. Design shows, you know, to me, like, I love going to, to shows. I, I've never been to Salonia and I've never been to Maison, but those are the two that are like on my, on my list of yeah. places where I really want to go. Me too. But as far as, as far as the others, so like I do the, I do the uh, programming for the West Edge Design Fair every year. And one of the things that I love most about shows like West Edge is it's a boutique show. 
So you're not getting everyone. You're not getting hundreds and hundreds and thousands of booths like like KBIS. You're getting, you know, 150 or 200, 200 individual opportunities to view something that you probably may not have seen before. And I love that. And then you talk to the manufacturers and you say, or the the vendors and you say, you know, where, where do you come from? Oh, we come from New England and we get our material sourced locally. We build it, you know, in-house or at a, at a local uh, workroom. And then we ship domestically. It's like, oh, that's amazing. You know, so you, you can get like this idea of where things come from. So I'm curious with you, as you look at your product line, and as all of the things that you mentioned between supply chain, raw material shortages, inflation, how they all come together and how you as a, specifically as a business owner, secondarily as a creator and creative who is trying to get your materials into the hands of specifying designers or ultimately in, into the hands, into the homes of their clients, you know, how do you, how do you navigate that especially now when it's so challenging just to stay on top of the design business. Yeah. Um, So we've been really lucky throughout the 20 years that we have been doing this is, you know, we always adopted a strategy early on and we never wavered from that strategy in terms of storytelling and authenticity and having unique one-off pieces. So although we service the mass market, we have over 215 contracts. I mean, we're working on 330 projects right now. So we service the mass market. And at some at some regards, there's a foundation and a basis of design there. But then we layer on uh, an element of storytelling and unique uh, attributes to that project that is unique to that project alone so that we can have a better, stronger design story or design narrative. I tell you that because Early on, we adopted aligning ourselves with manufacturers like Philips Collection, for example, where we know that they carry inventory and carry beautiful product, and we can go to their warehouse and handpick a unique uh, piece of any size and scale and price point that is going to make our project special. And so we have looked to partners like that that either have unique one-off pieces that we can source or partners that truly carry inventory. Tile Bar is another one um, in which we do a lot of business with because we know that they carry inventory and that we're going to be able to service our clients despite supply chain issues. And that's really important for us. What about the organic partnerships, the ones that you create internally? Um, and do you do you craft your own product? Um, and if, if you do or if you don't, um, how does that affect what you would like your partnerships and your product side to look like? So we do both. We The strategy that we have adopted is we do both unique uh, design product. So a lot of that product will be hand sketched. It will be designed. It will be um, documented through CAD drawings in-house. And those are unique uh, projects in design. And then we also work with our manufacturer partners to curate. So our collections through Bowdoin Well are both a combination of unique designs and curated. You mentioned that you currently have 330 pro- projects. That's just a staggering number to me. <laughs> yes, it's a lot. How, how many people are in your office and how do you manage that? 
Yeah, so uh, Trio, which is our design firm, uh, is comprised of 100 on staff. 20% of it, 25% um, of it is business, and the other 70, 75% are all creative staff. So we operate in teams, and we have teams that are specific to accounts, and um, that's how we're able to really mold ourselves into what is the vision of our clients and how can we best execute. So being based in Denver, where are the majority of your of your projects? Do, do you find that you're in a regional, uh, that you're based regionally, or do you, do you expand out further? Um, we expand from coast to coast. So our headquarters is here in Denver, and we, uh, we have two office locations in Denver, one that houses our purchasing and accounting teams. We have our own procurement staff. And then the other one, which is really our design studio in Lohi, which uh, houses all of the leadership and the creatives. We also have a team in San Diego. And outside of that, we have 16 remote designers that really a large part of them service our commercial side of the business. Our projects, uh, like I said, range from coast to coast. So we have projects everywhere from California to Florida. I would say the majority of our business resides in California, Arizona, Utah, Idaho, Denver, Florida, and the Carolinas. So exclusively domestic? Um, well, we have worked internationally in Canada. We also just finished a project in the Bahamas. And I, and I asked that because, you know, it's such an interesting idea. And I guess it's, you know, it's funny, I'm thinking through the, through it as I, as I speak. And I guess it's really not because regionally, I mean, it's funny. I'm, I'm working on a remote, uh, I'm working on a design house here in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Mm -hmm. And what you can do in Tulsa, and I'm a native Angelino. So from LA, what you can do in Oklahoma is just so far different than what you can do in California. Oh, it's yes. mind, it's mind boggling. Yes. Um, and it feels like we're getting to a really interesting place in design and architecture where the domestic market, which used to be considered one market, really isn't. It's, it's fragmented and regional in nature. And a lot of it revolves around really interesting concepts that are sustainably based. And I want to talk to you about sustainability is, mm -hmm. you know, power, water, air. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, design is, is kind of one of the things that I love. And the reason I love speaking with designers and architects is because the, just the ability to have a creative conversation about what you can do with certain parameters. And let's be honest, that's what it is. A, a creative endeavor like design, you, you have four walls, maybe more, I don't know, but you have four walls, you have a floor and a ceiling and within that space, what do you do with it? And it's amazing. But now there are these intangibles, these X factors, you know, water, power, air, noise, um, quality of life issues, and many are revolving around sustainability. Knowing that, that each region is, is getting to be so different, how do you manage that as well? Oh, so I love this question because this is what we've done for 20 years. And this is what makes our very moment in time so magical as it relates to wellness and sustainability and so forth is, you know, 
we have, Trio has always gone into markets and we've been a very market-driven firm. So whenever we take on design projects, it is based on certain geographic parameters and locations. It's based on culture and bringing in community. It, we have always customized our design approach depending on what market we go into. And at the very fundamentals of sustainability is just that, is it's not about a it's not about a principle or checking the box on a checklist or so forth. It really is more of a mindset when you think about sustainability and wellness and how do we layer in that customized approach to each one of our design projects. It's so important. If you really think about um, what it takes for a human being to survive, it's really things like clean air, water, um, food, right? But in that mix is shelter. We have to have shelter to survive. And so all of a sudden you're seeing this huge paradigm shift in the market, which I get really jazzed up and excited about because we've been talking about this for 20 years is design has the ability to heal. I mean, it has the ability and everybody is now tuning in and so much more focused on the power of design. And that's a unique opportunity for just humankind, <laughs> which is exciting. Yeah, no, it is. You know, it was really funny. I was having a conversation. Um, I want to say it was about six or eight months ago. And a designer who shall remain nameless was, <laughs> was telling me that, you know, in LA, now what they do, LA, San Francisco, anywhere in California, really, is they'll, they'll get the inspections done. And then they'll go to Arizona or Nevada to buy their plumbing fixtures. Mm. And it's funny because my first instinct was like, wow, I guess that's really smart. And then my second instinct is, but aren't we better than that? Yes, 100%. You know, aren't we better than that? And, and I do feel, and I've said this before, I feel like designers and architects are futurists. And mm -hmm. designers are looking into the future in five, 10, 15 year increments, whereas architects are looking at 50, 75, 100, 200 year increments. But the concept and the, and the idea is really still the same. I feel like that's the superpower of amazing creatives. And what I get, what I get really excited about, especially when I look at, at Trio and I look at, the, at your firm and I look at what you're doing, Bowdoin Well, and I, and I look at the ideas that you're espousing and you compare it and extrapolate it from the work that you do, it's really amazing. I, I guess at the, at, at the essence of that idea, what's your process for looking at things now as to where does, I mean, look, nobody could possibly have a vision, envisioned the pandemic. Nobody could have possibly envisioned, I mean, I take that back. I, I guess you can, if you look back a hundred years and think, well, it happened once already in, you know, 1920, 21. So it could happen again, because now that it's happened in modern times, I think we're pretty, we're pretty clear. It's going to happen again. Right. It will happen again. So you as a designer, you as a product designer, creator, futurist, how do you think about that? And how does that guide the manner in which you do business moving forward? And how do you establish yourself, not necessarily for now, but for five, 10, 15 years in the future? 
Ooh, <laughs> such deep questions. I love this one too. <clears throat> so, you know, from my perspective, and I'm just one perspective, as devastating as COVID was, and as much as we need to acknowledge the devastation that ha it occurred, it also is a huge opportunity for us. And what I mean by that is, you know, it is it. One of the things, great things that came out of COVID was this heightened awareness from the consumer side, right? And we know that's where the paradigm shifts hit. Um, you know, we've been talking about sustainability and wellness in the design community from both an architecture and an interior design perspective for years, years and years and years. But we know paradigm shifts don't come from the top down. It really happens when you have this organic level and this heightened awareness from the consumer side. And COVID gave us just that, this heightened awareness of the importance of design and the importance of wellness and sustainability in those aspects. And for me, you know, the best designers, and, I, and there's a lot of them here at TRIO, is the best designers to me realize very simply it is not about them. It's not about us as designers. It's about the community and it's about consumers and what can we do to affect change through the thing that we love to do and, and practice every day, which is design. And so we, um, sorry, my computer is shutting down. Um, so we, we try very desperately to keep that at the forefront of all of our thinking when it comes to, to design. There is no doubt that COVID fundamentally changed how we run a business, how we design our products, how we look at design and um, how we adopt the power that design has in affecting change. I'm not sure that I answered the question. <laughs> no, but I, I wanna sort of go a little bit further. That being said, what, what are your clients getting from you now in the way of sustainability because look sustainability is a is a big issue now it's a big question and the ones that are going to solve climate change issues if they are going to be solved aren't scientists you know because scientists have complained about this for decades and we knew it was coming this is never really it, it never turned into a solution it was always a problem without a solution. And then people would always su suggest so solutions without problems. Now we have a problem that requires something or it will get worse. I mean, look, I'm in, you're in Denver. You're probably having one of your worst um, over the past five years, your worst fire seasons ever in Tulsa, you know, it was like 108 the other day. Um, we're in the Midwest. It doesn't get to be 108 here usually. So things are changing. Designers are the ones that, make it more comfortable. Architects are the ones that make it more comfortable, more feasible to live with changing surroundings. Because if you can't change the surroundings, then you have to change the manner in which you adapt to them, right? Right. So that being said, what are your clients getting from a sustainability standpoint, from a, um, from a standpoint from a design standpoint and it's funny too because as you're moving rooms i'm totally vamping here but it's <laughs> sorry about that <laughs> well no but I, I i mention it because it's one of the issues that i i actually consider here as well um everything's a smart device now right so with it, with everything being a smart device you're drawing off of your internet capabilities more than we ever have before that's kind of like part of the 
the sustainability aspect of life. If you're working from home, you're, you're doing all your meetings from home, your internet has to be better than it was before because it matters more. That's part of what designers now find themselves challenged with. So how do you address the wellness issue? How do you address the sustainability issue, not just in product, but also in the design? Um, so we learned early on when we were going to have the discussion about sustainability and wellness, that it couldn't be a discussion that was just internal. And so we learned early on that the only way that we are going to be able to push the needle forward is if we have all the right stakeholders around the table, which includes architects, developers, builders, interior designers, as well as manufacturers. You know, manufacturers have really never been a voice around the table on the onset of a design project. Um, and I personally am of the belief that they are one of the most critical voices um, when it comes to sustainability and wellness. So we have started to invite those manufacturers to the tables to have those discussions. When we look at sustainability and wellness, we look at them um, in a compartmentalized fashion, but we also look at them as a whole in a holistic perspective. So for example, when we're having the discussions on sustainability, we're talking about things like um, how can we reduce our carbon emissions? What are some specifications that we can integrate into our projects that have you know, more recycled content in them or are more sustainably manufactured and so forth? And then we layer it on with the discussion of wellness, which is really more of behavioral shifts. How can we program these spaces to capitalize on views and promote circulation and mental health? So um, in order to have these big ideas and be able to execute on these big ideas from a holistic perspective, we have to have everybody in every discipline in the discussion to, to be able to execute successfully from a budget perspective, from a design perspective, from a manufacturing perspective. And the whole goal, and people will argue with me on this, especially the, the, the high end, you know, the, the real sustainable experts that are really interested in checking a box on a, on a checklist, the whole goal is to do better today than we did yesterday. It's not, did we hit this you know, point system? Did we do this? Did we do that? I think where we're going to impact the most change is where when all of us get together and adopt this idea that let's find a way to design and manufacture more responsibly today than we did yesterday. So back to the original question, and that is how does how do your what do your clients get from this? And I'll I'll be specific. When it comes to wellness, yes, there are so many new ideas. You know, part of the wellness and design thought leadership series that I do, of which this is a part. Um, I I work with a company called Thermosol, and they do. I'm sure you're aware of them. They do steam and saunas, mm -hmm. and that whole idea of steam in a home where, you know, when, when the pandemic started and you couldn't go to a spa, mm -hmm. those who were fortunate enough to have, I mean, what were the, what were the must haves immediately? And by the way, I, I, I want your thoughts on this. Cause I think it's kind of interesting. The must haves, right. The, the kitchen had to be more functional than it was. Mm -hmm. There had, there had to be a, a place to have an office. There had to be a place for the kids to do schoolwork that wasn't part of the office. Mm -hmm. You had to have a, you had to have a home gym of some sort. Um, 
those that had a spa-like experience. And what I've seen out of design in response, I mean, things like warming and refrigeration drawers in bathrooms, just the idea of putting a wine fridge in a bathroom so that, you know, for, for makeup um, and warming drawers in the bathroom for towels and a home gym and a steam shower or sauna. These are ideas that were not, I guess they were considered luxury items, mm. not standard items. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, for you, how has that changed the manner in which you design spaces to make them, to make wellness more of a top priority, that and air quality and noise abatement, things like that? Yeah. Um, so in my mind, every, uh, what one person value is going to be totally different than what another person values. So um, I think we can't lose sight of that as we're designing projects. Again, it goes back to that customization. But if you're asking me what are the kind of non-starters, non-negotiables, if you're going to hit a minimum foundation for sustainability and wellness, it, it is things like mitigating toxins, right? And air quality. It is things like natural light, having a ton of natural light come into your space. Another non-negotiable connection to the outdoors, whether it's a physical connection to the outdoors or a or a viewpoint of the outdoors. How do we get that indoor-outdoor connection? And then on top of that, then you start looking at specific spaces like kitchens and baths and and so forth. And to your point, some of these things that were once thought about as amenities or features, whether it be a home gym or you know a uh, a wine chiller in your bathroom, are now kind of you know, components of what our consumers are seeing value because it's helping them balance out their mental well-being. So I think there's, I think there's fundamentals like the things that I just talked about. And then I think there's a layer of customization uh, for each demographic or each uh, consumer base that is going to be a layer that is customized to them. I mean, personally, for example, I would prefer to have a, a towel warmer <laughs> or radiant heated floors in my bathroom versus uh, under counter wine refrigerator, because I don't, you know, I have different values maybe than somebody else. Somebody else is going to think that that wine refrigerator right next to their bathtub is, is a very high um, component to their wellness. And I, and I don't disagree with that. I agree with that. <laughs> so I think, I think we have to look at it in twofold. I, I think the moral of one of the stories that, again, that we've learned along the way in the last several years is that one size doesn't fit all. And we have to be really conscious about that in, in design because historically the design community has, A, one, come from a place of ego that this is my design and it's all about my creativity and all of these things and expanding that perspective on maybe it is, maybe there's a greater good for design than, than just that. And you know, looking at it to how can we customize our approach to really capitalize on the most sustainable and well-oriented project that we can for that particular audience. All in- incredible points. I, I One of the reasons why I absolutely love these conversations and, I, and it makes me think, you know, having done this show for almost 10 years, I've had a lot of conversations. The conversations I was having eight years ago are very, very different than the conversations we're having today. Yes. 
and something that, (laughs) and yeah. And, and something that really kind of, do you ever feel like, I, I kind of feel behind the curve on this. I want to say I feel stupid, but that's not right. I feel behind the curve. I've done when, when the pandemic first started, I, d- I started a new series, which I do every now and then for the podcast. And it was called, called Di- Designing for Disaster. And what I did was because I was trapped at home, like everyone else, doing interviews, you know, prior to the pandemic, every interview I did was in person. Right. S- since the pandemic, 95% of the interviews I've done are all virtual. Mm-hmm. And I started, so I figured, well, if I'm doing this, I might as well reach out and check some things out. So I started reaching out to designers across the country. What are you seeing? What's happening where you are? How are you a- addressing this? And I, I, I say it feels stupid because I, I feel like I saw this coming. I actually... Um, I did an episode years ago uh, where when the pandemic started, I was in Manhattan Beach, California, and I was going for a run and California shut the beaches down. L.A. County, the beaches were shut down, which never, ever happened before. Like people were if you wanted to go if you wanted to go surf, you couldn't. And people were arrested as soon as they came out of the water for going surfing. It was weird. But I'm a runner. And so I would go running and I would run instead of going all the way down to the strand to run, I would go one street up because it was closed. The strand was closed. So I would go one street up and run through the alley. And I saw something that just stunned me on trash day along, you know, the strand, which is all of the beachfront homes Yeah. on, tr- on trash day, there were boxes atop, atop boxes, atop boxes, atop boxes, like I'd never seen before. And it was, it was, home goods, it was furnishings, it was case goods, it was soft goods, it was, you know, and all the, all the things that people left out, you know, being a community, an affluent, an affluent beach community, people would just leave things out on trash day and the trash guys would never pick them up. Someone would drive by and pick them up beforehand. But to see old treadmills and then to see the new boxes where the new stuff came in and to see, because you, you can see it on the outside of the box. And I just thought, I remember thinking at the time and mentioning it in an episode, it's like, wow, this is staggering. Yes. This amount of consumerism is, is just staggering. Look at how everything is changing all at once. One should be able to recognize the fact that if there's that much consumerism, inflation is sure to follow. Yes. Agreed. Right? Yes. Agreed. So now everyone got all this new stuff. And now it's up to the designer to figure out, okay, well, now what do I do with it? so as you look forward and something you said really struck a a chord with me that is that you know it it is unique to the individuals themselves but are there any through lines any consistencies that you see yeah i mean i think the consistent thread is just what you what you just said is that we have seen a massive value shift in our consumers and naturally when there becomes a, a shift in values uh, it affects how we design spaces and what we design and how, you know, like how we're going to integrate that into our projects. And so I guess the consistent thread that we're seeing is there is a heightened emphasis and, and value set on mental health, on fitness, on quiet spaces, on connection to indoor, outdoor. Um, and not that we hadn't designed for those spaces before, 
but the perspective was different that those spaces were for the elite or those spaces were you know features and amenities where now they're just non-negotiables and so i think that we are trying to understand as design professionals you know where our consumers reside right now not based on assumptions but by folding them in the mix of those discussions and more importantly as we continue to develop out the future of design really not making assumptions on on what should or shouldn't be designed because us as design professionals think that's the way it should be you know i think that there's uh, some commonality in in a heightened sense of collaboration and i think that's one of the things that i'm enjoying the most in my you know second half of my career is the amount of collaboration and learning and the perspective that we are stronger together makes the process the design process so much more uh powerful has this changed the way have you narrowed focus with regard to how you and the firm in general specify products do you now look less at international and more at domestic yeah i i would say we do because it fits into our beliefs of sustainability and wellness i mean i think we're always looking for manufacturers to partner with that yes can help us service our clients in the best capacity that they are through supply chain issues and labor shortages and so forth but also believe in the same things that we believe and that is the power of design and the power of the des of design does have the capacity to heal and so who are the partners that can help us carry that forward into the future does that has that also turned into and I'm trying to figure this out too, when it comes to, do you use a lot of local workrooms in the various markets in which, and, and I, I, I ask because um, something that you said where you have designers primarily on the commercial side working remotely mm -hmm. with various products, I would imagine that you'd have to ha still have local trades, local workrooms to do local local sourced product. Yes, we, we uh, yes, we use a ton of both local product and local labor in the communities in which we serve. And we think that that's an important component, not only, you know, just to have them local, but to also help us better understand the communities in which we're entering from a design perspective. So yes, we use a ton of local stuff and local communities. Um, I love finding local artisans. I think that's the most incredible thing that we can do to integrate into our projects. We also partner on the mass market perspective. We partner with a lot of uh, manufacturers like Paragon and Propac that are made in the USA. So um, that's an important component to it as well. Have you started traveling? again oh my gosh i'm on a plan this week alone <laughs> and sorry if i'm a little off right now this week alone i'm in four different cities so i travel every week so the second part of that <laughs> is traveling has become a horrible experience yeah it's not the most pleasurable <laughs> it's really not yeah. it's it's funny because i am still to this day i am a i'm passionately um enjoying and have enjoyed since i was a kid road trips i love road trips i love road trips too i did a, a recent trip uh not not so recent it was in may um from tulsa to la for legends of la cienega mm. and that was fun but you can't drive everywhere and yeah. tr travel has become such a nightmare for those designers or those 
firms who are finding themselves doing more travel these days for clients. Do you have any suggestions, not necessarily for the travel itself, but for the workaround? So maybe you don't have to travel as much. You know, I'm probably the wrong one to ask from that because I do believe in the human touch and the human connection. You know, some of our most valued clients are out of state and the idea that we would be presenting to them on a Zoom call, yes, it's effective and it can be effective, but there is just something about sharing the energy in the same space over the same vision that you just can't recreate. And so I love having those touch points with our clients and our industry point partners. So I don't see that my traveling is going to mitigate anytime soon. Um, but I mean, in that we, we certainly have adopted a hybrid philosophy. I do a ton of Zoom calls every day, but I also like to get out there and, and be together. Is there anything that is on your wish list, places that you really want to go that you're very excited about going to next? Um, I want to go to Morocco. That's uh, my, okay. my bucket list. I've spent a lot of time. I've spent a lot of time in Italy and Spain and so forth, but I really want to go to Morocco. I want to go to Africa. Um, and hopefully I'm, I'm talking to Mark Phillips and I keep telling him, I'm like, he, he has to take me on one of his buying trips to Indonesia or Bali or, you know, somewhere so that I can have that experience as well. Very nice. Well, I hope you get there and I hope you, I hope you have an absolute blast. I so appreciate you doing this. And, and for those who want to uh, learn more about all of the things we talked about here, um, go to the show notes and there will be a link to Bowdoin Well, Trio Design. We didn't even get into your, your design network TV stuff, which I would love to follow up with you again um, in the future. You know, before I let you go, do you have any, any media, any design network shows? Do you have any, th any new shows coming up? Um, we don't have any shows on the docket right now because we've been so busy with the manufacturers and the projects, but um, uh, keep following us. Follow us on Instagram and both uh, our website and social media because there's always stuff in the works. We have an incredible team. Very cool. And we'll have links to all that in the show notes so you can go there and, uh, and, and check that out. Angela, thank you so much for the time today. This was great. Thank you so much. I'm incredibly grateful for your time and you are an incredible interviewer. <laughs> If you've been listening to Convo by Design for a while now, you have heard me tell you about Article. Great style. Really, it's as simple as that with Article. Things have been challenging for design professionals and their clients for, what, two years? Two plus years now? Y you know this already. What you might not know is that it doesn't have to be if you're looking for exceptionally beautiful modern furniture. Article provides a simple and easy way to creating a beautiful modern space because Article works direct with their manufacturers on production of unique and stunning pieces. Then they work directly by providing this well-crafted design directly to you. This direct relationship means you aren't wondering where your furniture is and you're getting it for an incredible value. What could possibly be better than that? In many cases, the shipping is flat rate, which means no surprises right? Even more, their culture and service are rooted in their core values. Customer obsession, doing it differently, ownership mindset, winning together. If you're a designer, architect, or residential developer, you must check out their trade program. Discounts, special support, and exclusive perks. Article has the beautiful modern furniture you're looking for at an incredible price, at an incredible value, and you need to check them out. 
check out article.com, or if you go to the show notes, there is a specific link which will take you, if you're in the trade, directly to their trade program. You have to see it to really believe it. Thank you, Article. Thank you, Angela, for taking the time to speak with me today and sharing your thoughts, ideas, and skill. Special thanks to Convo by Design partners and sponsors, Thermosol, Moya Living, York Wall Coverings, Franz Wigner, and Article Furniture. Thank you for taking some time out of your busy day to listen to Convo by Design. I produce this show for you, those in the design industry, to hear what others are doing and hopefully provide you with some inspiration and information that you can do something with to help you do that thing you do. Remember why and for whom you craft and create. Remember for whom you do what you do. Please subscribe to the show so you don't miss a single episode. You can find us everywhere you get your favorite podcasts. Thank you. Have a great week and take today first. Mm